All right, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, 18 to 27. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your Bible, your phone, or if you have one of those sheets that you received when you came in. I want, to make sure, I want you to make sure that you're looking at that text with me. Because if not, uh, what we're saying today is just not going to make sense. And I just think it's a helpful practice to be looking at the text yourself. Um, and I think today's text is going to strongly encourage us to do that. We got a pretty heavy text in front of us. We'll be talking about Antichrist, last days, and, um, and the call to be faithful. I don't know if that was for me, but I had to. So let's get into it. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 27. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Father, would you help us see Jesus more clearly today and weed out all of the lies? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've spoken to me recently, you've probably heard me talk about my uncle. Uh, my uncle recently he passed about a year and a half ago, and he was my hero, man. He was, he was everything to me. Um, and so in reflecting and thinking about my uncle, I often go back to the letters that he wrote me. And one of the letters that he wrote me, he takes a moment Right? He's, he's encouraging me for focusing on school and doing well. But he takes a moment, as he would always do, to say, Mel, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your surroundings. See, I grew up in, uh, in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. Shout out to Sunset for everybody here. Um, and back in the day, they had a saying. Sunset Park was called Gunset Park, where the guns get sparked. Right? And it was, it was, it was real. And so what my uncle realized and what he wanted me to know was, hey, you are doing the right thing, but I want you to be aware that your surroundings may not always be right, right? People may not always be for you, and people 
um, may have some wicked ideas, and I want you to be aware of your surroundings. I want you to be on point. And what my uncle was doing in that was he was encouraging me, and he was warning me because he loved me. He cared about me. He didn't want me to get into any trouble. He didn't want me to get robbed. He didn't want me to, you know, fall victim of an attack or anything like that. My uncle cared about me. And I think the apostle John writing this letter right now is writing this to people that he really cares about. See, he starts off the letter by saying children, children. So what he's telling them right now, right? While it may be a little weird at first, maybe a little hard to hear at first, what he's telling them is something that he is telling them because he loves them and he cares about them and he wants them to be aware. Jesus says something similar where he says, be as wise as a serpent, but as innocent as a dove. And so I think church today that we need to heed the call to, uh, that we still need to abide in the truth of who Jesus is and be on guard against the schemes of the enemy to present him as anything else. I'm going to say that again. I want you to stand firm in who Jesus is and be on guard against the schemes of the enemy. And I think this text provides us with three ways to do that. One, recognize that we are in the last days. Two, remember the truth that you heard from the beginning. And three, remain in the Holy One who teaches you all things. And so let's start with that first one. Recognize that we are in the last days. Pick up the passage again. I told you to look at it, right? Uh, 1 John 2, beginning in verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Check it out. When we think about the last days, most of the time, we think about like, you know, those people who are like, yo, when the Mayan calendar ends, that's it. World's over. Or, or Y2K for some old heads um, who remember that, right? Or maybe you think about June 6, 2006. Oh my gosh, the world's going to come to an end. Somebody got a new prediction and they always talking about the end times or the last days or something like that, right? And I think the Bible has two things to say about the last days, at least. Has many things, but these things, right? The day of the Lord, which talks about that time when Jesus will return. But then also it talks about the last days as any time between Jesus' resurrection and his return. And so that's why the church has been saying we're in the last days for the last 2,000 years, guys. Check out um, Peter in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, right? At Pentecost, Peter's preaching. And he quotes from the prophet Joel. And he says this, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Peter quoted that because he thought that was happening right there in that day. What would happen? The spirit was coming upon all of the listeners that were there, right? All of the people who had believed. And so Peter says, we're in the last days. See, church, if we're going to recognize the time that we live in, uh, we have to realize the urgency of the time that we live in. We are in the last days. 
God's spirit has been poured out. The beginning of the end has already happened. When Jesus resurrected and put a chokehold on death and he resurrected saying he was victorious, he announced that it was the last days. It's only a matter of time because his, before his kingdom would be fully realized. We live in this time period where Jesus is already king, but he is not yet sitting on the throne physically. We live in the last days, and that's why the Bible constantly tells us that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Last time I checked, no thief is going to come saying, yo, yeah, I'm about to rob your house. Make sure you're awake. Make sure you get your bat. There's no warning. And so Zion, if you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. You stay ready, you won't have to get ready. See, I remember when I was a kid, and uh, I was be excited for an activity the next day, and I said, you know what? If I sleep with my clothes on, which is nasty, I know. But I thought to myself, if I sleep with my clothes on, you clean clothes, but nevertheless, I slept with them. When I get up, I'm ready. Church, we got to sleep with our clothes on. Church, if you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. We are in the last days And it is important for us to recognize the time that we live in. How do we know that we're in the last days besides the fact that Peter said it in Acts 2? Well, John says in this passage that, uh, therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Why? Because many antichrists have come. How do we know we're in the last days? Um, Antichrists. And since we are in the last days, we need to be able to recognize deceivers for what they are. Their denial that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, shows that they are antichrists. Again, another idea that I need to unpack here for a second. All right. The Bible talks about an antichrist. Okay. It talks about it in many different places, but I think one of the most uh, helpful is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. And it reads like this. And it says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness, I think uh, also the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And so there is an antichrist, singular. And what John does in this passage, right, is he says, you have heard the antichrist is coming, but there, is, but there are many antichrists that are already here. And so he's differentiating between this one figure that was to come that was going to oppose Christ, that was going to be against Christ or be a false Christ, which is what Antichrist means, and these precursors that led up to this main figure. So he was saying, we know we're in the last days because there are many Antichrists that are already here. They're not the Antichrist, but they are the precursor of what is to come. And so... How do we identify antichrists with the plural, okay? John says this in verses 22 and 23, that we're able to recognize them 
Um, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So we're able to identify an Antichrist by their doctrine. Let me remind you about the setting that we're in, okay? John is writing in the midst of a crisis. There are people within the church that had left that had started to say, Jesus is not the Christ. He is not the Savior. He is not the Messiah. He is not the anointed one. He is not the one that you should look for. And they also began to say that he was not the Son of God, removing his deity. And so that's, the, that's one of the ways that we identify an antichrist is by their confession. But also, antichrists leave the church. Now, I'm not talking about they leave a church. So don't go hit nobody up who left Zion and be like, yo, you an antichrist, bro. <laughs> if they went to another church or if they went to Texas or something like that. Um, that's just you being a hater. So <laughs> and the Antichrist leaves the church altogether. And so uh, I think about when I got saved, the person that God used to save me, deliver the message to me, right? I reached out a couple years later because I had realized that, like, I didn't even know I got saved, guys. I just kind of, like, did. Um, he shared the message, and I realized I believed, and something happened in me, and I changed. When I look back, I was able to recognize that moment as being a very pivotal moment in my life. And so I reached out to this person on Facebook. Remember Facebook? Um, and <laughs> and um, I reached out to this person on Facebook, and I said, yo, thank you so much for sharing the gospel with me. I'm a believer, and I just started sharing a little bit about my life and where I was going. And he never responded. I know he saw the message, but he never responded. Fast forward, some people that I knew that knew him had confirmed to me that he no longer believed. He no longer, that's crazy, right? No longer believed. Not only did he not any, any longer believe, but he left the church. And see, here's what John tells us, right? That they, them leaving shows that they were not ever among us. But that it could be made plain that they were not of us. Us here is not necessarily talking about this individual community, but the apostles, the apostolic church, the believers. They left the church altogether. And that's how we're able to recognize them as antichrist. Church, what is it today that threatens our faith? What are the antichrists that we see on a daily basis? Here's a lie. Jesus is a good teacher or a prophet, but not God. First off, that lie breaks down because you can't believe Jesus is a good teacher and not believe what he taught. Second lie, church and prayer are cool, but you can't really expect me to actually practice sexual purity, radical generosity, and say no to career advancement just because of Jesus. Really? Like, Church and prayer, yeah, that's, that's fine and dandy, but this guy, I don't think he warrants all that other stuff. In other words, he's not the Christ. And the last one, which is probably the easiest and most subtle that we tend to believe is, I don't need saving. I don't, I don't need God. I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's gravy, and I don't need you. So we're in the last days. 
And we know this because there are many deceivers, a.k.a. antichrists, who deny Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So what should we do about that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, and this brings me to the second point, which is remember the truth that you heard from the beginning. Notice what, what John says in verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Skip down to verse 23. No one who denies the Father has, no one who denies the Son has the Father. On the flip side, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. That's good news. That is good news right there. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you heard what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Remember what you've been taught, church. Relax. Yes, yeah, the last days. Yeah, there's Antichrist, but chill. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth. I'm not going to teach you something that you already know. The apostle is saying, you don't need me to teach you. You don't need the people who left to teach you. Guess what? You already know the truth. You already know it. And see, knowing the truth is the best defense for, for spotting out Antichrist. For, de for, for defending against Antichrist, right? Um, think about this. People will tell you, uh, I don't know why you go to that church, man. They don't really have your back. Miss a, miss a Sunday and they won't hit you up. I heard this person say blank about you. The church doesn't really care about you. They just want your money. That's a big one. That's a popular one. Oh, my gosh. And I can say that I don't, I don't benefit from any money that, goes, that you guys give to the church. Um, listen, these are all lies. These are all things that want to separate us from Christ and from his body and his people. And we're able to identify that not by knowing every false doctrine, but by knowing the truth. You don't need to study every counterfeit bill. If you know what a real bill is, you could tell the counterfeits. So church, relax. Let what you heard abide in you. So while they're doing all this stuff, while everything's going crazy, while people are dividing from Christ, you stay where you are. This is what it means to abide. What it means to abide is to make your home in that place. Right? When people come over your house, this is my humble abode. Everybody says, I hate that phrase. This is my humble abode. But the word abode comes from abide. What it means is I live here. And so what the passage is saying is, let the truth that you heard abide in you. In other words, live in it. Live in it. Make your house there. Don't leave. Set up shop. The other thing he tells us is, uh, if we're going to remember the things that we've learned from the beginning, we need to remember the promise of God, eternal life. So I want to remind you real quick, because we're in week five of this series, some of the things that we have already said. We've called Jesus the word of life. 
Meaning that he is the word embodied and his word brings life. He brings life. We said that he is the propitiation, a.k.a. the substitute. So while you deserve hell, Jesus took hell on the cross for you. We said that God is light and in him there is no darkness. There is purity. There is joy. There is love. There is light. And we said that God is eternal life. Here's one of the things about eternal life that we think about. We think eternal life, yeah, that's later on. That happens when I die, I pass on into heaven, right? That's eternal life. But what the Bible presents is actually something very different. The Bible presents eternal life as being something you step into upon the moment that you believe. Right? The moment that you believe, you access eternal life. You go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Where you were once dead in your trespasses and sin, God made you alive in Christ. And you already have eternal life if you believe. Remember that promise. Remember the promise of God, eternal life. And so stand firm. Stand firm in the truth of who Jesus is and be on guard against the schemes of the enemy. How do we do that? Well, we recognize that, this, that, that we are in the last days. Recognize the times, recognize deceivers. We remember the truth that we heard from the beginning and we abide in it. And then we remain in the Holy One who teaches us all things. Check out verse 24 to 27 here. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Remain in the Holy One. The Holy One, based on John 6, is Jesus. Jesus is constantly referred to as the Holy One of God. And so here's one of the ways that we remain in the Holy One. is by God's anointing. God has anointed us with the Spirit who testifies of the Son. The, this word anointing is, this is the only time it appears in the New Testament. And it is a, a beautiful phrase. It's a beautiful phrase, a beautiful concept that we get from the Old Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, they would anoint people with oil, right? And, and some people would be anointed by the Spirit. But now, all God's believers are anointed by the Spirit. And this is, the, the, the word refers less to what we're being anointed with as a, as a matter of, excuse me, less to the anointing as a matter of what we're being anointed with. I hope I said that right. And so if we look at Jesus's life, it tells us that he was anointed by the Spirit. And he did everything that he did out of the power of the Spirit. And so here's the beauty of it. You guys are if you believe in the Son, have been anointed by the Spirit. How do I know that? Because you believe in the Son. You believe in the Son. If the Spirit dwells in you, then you have been born of God. 
Check out verse Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you catch that, church? The same spirit that dwelt in Jesus and resurrected him from the dead remains in you. God, we are able to abide in God because God abides in us. He's made his home in us as his people. And the proof of that is that you believe. But what does the spirit do? Right? Sometimes we talk about the spirit and it, and it can be very like, you know, hard to understand and conceptualize. I think John 15, 26 helps us to understand that. But when the helper comes, the helper being the spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Jesus is talking about himself. And so the Spirit brings to mind the Word and testifies to Jesus. That's what the Spirit's job is, to continue to remind you. That's why in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. It reminds us that we have good standing with God. So because God abides in us, we are also to abide in him. I gave you the analogy of a house before, but I want you to think about a seed as well. It's another way to think about abiding. When you plant a seed, a seed ain't going nowhere. It stays in that root. It dies to itself. And it grows. It's nourished by that place. It grows in that place. It stays in that place. And, and it, it, it is provided nutrients by that place. And so if we are to grow, we are to abide um, by, by reading the word and believing the spirit of God to live it out. And so in closing, um, stand firm in the truth of who Jesus is and be on guard against the schemes of the enemy. How do we do that? We recognize, excuse me, we recognize that we're in the last days. We remember the truth that we've heard from the beginning, and we remain in the Holy One who teaches us all things. We make our house there, we're planted, and we're rooted, and we're grown there. And so I have some questions for you guys as, you know, to help you think about this for yourself. Do you live in the Word? Do you make your home in the Word? So my encouragement is to read this book. If you don't know where to start, start in the Gospel of John. It's so cool how many of the concepts we're learning about in this letter, 1 John, are, are draw back to that Gospel of John. Read passages. Read them wide. Right? Go through a bunch of scriptures. See that it is a single book, but then go deep too. Study passages, memorize them. Don't let, don't, don't sit in the discomfort, like go and go deep. Right? If you're like, I don't understand this, I'm just gonna leave that alone. No, just go, go deep. I'm sure that you will find something in there that is good and is true and brings life. Next question. So, do you live in the Word? Does the Word live in you? Does the Word live in you? Um, 
Does the word guide your everyday life? Is it bring you delight? Does it, does it come to mind? See, recently, um, the word convicted me. That's how I know the word lives in me, because the word convicted me. And I was, I was bickering with my wife. I was arguing with her. And um, this, this passage came to mind from Hebrews 12. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness, that's really the, the phrase that came to my mind, because a root of bitterness shows that some bitterness is abiding in you, right? Uh, springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And so rather than getting into the nooks and crannies of this argument, I was just like, I heard you. I'm sorry. Last one. Are you living the eternal life today? Are you living the eternal life today? See, this is what John tells us in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. Are you enjoying that fellowship with God that you're going to enjoy in heaven for all of eternity right now? Are you getting to know him intimately, deeply? For the believer, we are in the last days. Abide in Christ. Do not be deceived by the false views of Jesus. Stay close to Christ. Make your home there. And that is going to help you navigate all of those issues. If you do not believe in Christ, then I want to encourage you to turn from your current view of Jesus and believe in him as the Christ, the Savior, who has exchanged his holiness for your sinfulness on that cross, putting it to death and resurrecting from the dead being the first fruits of salvation. There's going to be people on the side here that are going to be uh, praying for you. If you'd like to pray, you'd like to get to know more about Jesus, you'd like to repent from your false view of Jesus, I encourage you to take that opportunity. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, Father, help us to stand firm in the truth of who Jesus is not shifting from the left or the right, but abiding in you and letting your word abide in us. God, I pray, Lord, that this week you would convict and encourage through your word. And God, that we would reflect you to the world better. In Jesus' name, amen.